Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, our minor league podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good. All right, so let's start out with Promote Extend Trade. And in 2007, and I didn't know that this was a thing. I didn't even know this could be a thing, but an amazing game came out for the PSP. And retrospect, I wish I had a PSP because I think I would have played the shit out of this game. And this game is Pimp My Ride, the video game. What? What? It was a game? There was a game, Pimp My Ride. Was the objective to pimp said ride? I believe that it was just like kind of a racing game where you were driving around pimped cars, but... Oh, it's not as fun. No, no. I'm imagining like a 300-hour RPG where where you have to build your garage from scratch. <laughs> See, that would be cool. Or in my mind, anyway. But So, yeah. So, what I'm going to ask you guys this week is what pimps to your ride would you promote, extend, or trade? What? I'm so confused about where this is going. <laughs> All right, so we have some cars that are pimped here. Are you going to promote them, extend them, or trade them? Oh, okay. All right. I thought we were, like, promoting pimps? I I was very confused. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so we should have a disclaimer. Yeah, no, no pimps have been harmed in the making of the show. Uh, so first we have, I didn't write down the episodes at these war, but um, there was a Chevy S10 pickup truck that had a pool table installed in the bed. Next, we had a uh, Ford Crown Victoria station wagon that had a CAT scan installed in the back. <laughs> oh, the methane that one. That one's definitely extended. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Well, 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 and then the last one is uh, a Cadillac Fleetwood hearse that had a pull-out fridge, barbecue grill, and prep counter installed. That's pretty good. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I don't know the CT scan. What was what's the story there? Like, <laughs> I I don't know. You'd have to ask Exhibit, I guess. Is the lady like uh, I, I go to get one of these like every two weeks? This would just be very convenient. <laughs> I, this should this should like, have been something the Mets invested in, to be honest. Like yeah. at some point. So what if you're like a doctor who still does um, at home calls? Oh, like house calls? Yeah, that's more reasonable. Yeah, right. And so then you buy this car, and then you're just like, you know what? Get in the car. We're gonna we're gonna scan you real quick, and you're you're good to go. You'll know what you need to know, and if you need to go to the hospital, I could drive you because you're in the car. You know. <laughs> so, so, so like the, the the utility here is incredible. It is, but I feel like I don't know. It's a bummer to like pull up to someone's house and be like, yeah, you got brain cancer. Whereas if you pull up with the barbecue <laughs> and the fridge. Or if you pull up at the pool table, you're like the man of the hour, you know? I feel like the pool table, though, like, you the have to be, well, you're going to have to be hard to use. You're going to have to be hard to use. Also, you're though, I was, I was also thinking about, though, the drawbacks of driving around with a, like, propane tank in your car is probably yeah, catastrophic. One, one crash, it's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For, like, 20 people. Like... We're we're talking about major fire on the BQE mm-hmm. because you got into an accident. Alternatively, a, <laughs> stuck in traffic on the BQE, start hungry. a barbecue. Yeah, it's tough. It is it is tough. I'm just saying. <laughs> Man, I don't know. This is a tough one because all three are fun in different ways. Oops. Except you said the seat. Except with you, you're right with the uh, CT scan, possibly. Penny, uh, no. I'm going to trade the pool table just because I feel like it's the least fun. Also, it's interesting. I feel like you there's a higher chance of you losing the stuff that is involved with that. Like, someone is really bad at pool, and there goes your, your eight ball. And then you're like, well, damn, we can't play till we find a store. Yep, yep, that's true. Also, though, something to keep in mind, how reliable is a trunk CAT scan? <laughs> to your point, I, I, and I'm going to be pedantic here, usually you need an MRI to detect brain cancer, so slightly <laughs> less crummy, but still not ideal. To, your, your overall point is correct. Yeah, it wouldn't make me feel much better. What what is the CT scan like good for? Like, I mean, you can kind of you can detect larger masses, but like brain masses, usually you're gonna need an MRI for a CT scan. Also, okay, pick so up just, like, just the soft cancers. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so like, what if you are a baseball team? Like Steve Cohen buys the the CT scan, uh-huh. and then like in the middle of a Mets game, Lindor rolls his ankle, and they just stick him in the car, and they're like, he's good. <laughs> Uh, it really depends on the type of injury you're looking for, but usually you need it 
you need an MRI most of the time to see like ligament <laughs> damage or but for like the the Ray Ramirez era Mets, this would have been perfect. <laughs> Yo, dog, I like boots, so I got a boot for you. Boot. Uh-huh. We put There's a CT a... scan in the boot of this car <laughs> so that we could better fit your boot. I love to pimp my ride. Watched it so much. I'm surprised so that fun. there hasn't been a remake. I mean, right? I feel like it's perfect for one. Yeah. Well, I think we are going to consensus just extend everything because. I'm going to be honest, I forgot what the first option was. The, the, the barbecue option and the CT scan were so much better. Uh, pool, pool table, table in the car. That, that, come on, that's like a distant third. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Agreed. Oh, man. All right. Um, <clears throat> we'll move over now to our way-too-early draft updates. Um, I'll go first. My guy, Cole Carrig, he... Uh, San Diego State University played four games, one against UC San Diego, uh, University of California at San Diego at the beginning of the week. And then they had three games against the University of New Mexico over the weekend. And they lost uh, one game against San Diego, and then they won the others against New Mexico. And Cole Carrig did not play in a single game. <clears throat> yeah. He, he he came in as a defensive replacement, and that's it. Uh, I could not find any information on the internet as to why he basically did not play all week. But at this point, his stock is majorly down just because the lack of playing time. I mean, the numbers on the surface are not terrible. He's hitting 333, 361, 515 with a homer, six steals and eight tries, and two walks to 11 strikeouts. But it's April already. The season is like just about at the halfway point, and he's played in 16 games, you know, 66 at-bats. Um, the Mets are picking at a point where it's like a toss-up, where, you know, there's like dozens of players who could conceivably rise and be attractive at, at 32 overall, and there's probably a half dozen guys who are probably going to drop a little bit and be available, and at this point, Craig's not doing anything to make himself uh, worth that 32 pick right now, so... Not a good week. Not a good start for him. It's very odd, too. I mean, I wonder if there's some stuff behind the scenes there, given the seemingly strong performance on the field. I don't know. I mean, I thought, like, oh, you know, he, he did get hit by a pitch, like, two weeks ago or so. So, like, uh-oh. But then he played in a couple of games, and he did good. So, it, it, I don't, and then he came in as a defensive replacement um, on Saturday's game. So, I, I don't know. It is weird. There's been no updates. You know, I didn't see anything on Twitter. There's nothing from their website. So we're in the dark here. Very odd. Uh, Ken, Miami outfielder Johanji Morales. How's he doing? A uh, third baseman. Um, oh. But he oh, played whoops, three games. Uh, three games since we last spoke. Um, one against FIU. Two against Florida State. He went three for 12 with three singles, two RBIs, uh, two strikeouts, and uh, no walks. Uh, on the season, he's now hitting 317, 395, 545, and a little over 100 at-bats. Six home runs, 11 extra base hits, and 13 walks against 32 Ks. So striking out in a little over, say, about a third of his plate appearances or so. Probably high 20s. Um 
and most concerningly hitting 220, 277, 341 in conference. Um, so uh, Stuck probably a little down. He was always going to be a guy that um, either hits his way into the top half of the first round or falls to like the fourth. Uh, but we shall see. <laughs> mm. I, mean, I don't think this is quite a uh, Jacob Berry scenario where you had a corner, four corners college bat with a max exit velocity of like 104. So I, I wouldn't, don't think he's going to be that down, but it's a little disappointing. Yeah, just the strikeouts is because mm-hmm. um, that was always going to be the thing that limited, you know, what teams are willing to place as his, his ceiling, you know, how much is he going to swing and miss? Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way it's good for the Mets because he's generally seen as like a guy that was kind of mid to late first round. So if he struggles a little bit, the odds of him dropping to the Mets are greater conceptually anyway. Sure. And the upside is there. Well, still like two months of baseball to go. Uh, Lucas, if MSU outfielder Colton Ledbetter. Uh, so Ledbetter continues to uh, put up some really impressive numbers. He went five for 15 this week in four games. That actually lowered his average on the season to 343. <laughs> uh, walked four times, struck out once. Only uh, had one home run in there for his only extra base hit. Um, he's reached base safely either via walk or uh, a hit in 28 of 29 games this season. Um, I have to think his stock is, is way up from the start of the season and who knows if he's even going to be in play for, for the Mets at this point. Um, but it's, it's been pretty impressive what he's done. I don't have the in-conference numbers, which would be interesting to see given that he transferred from a a lesser school. Um, I can try to pull those together in the future, but, um, yeah, another strong week here. Mm -hmm. While playing like good defense in center field by all reports. And Thomas, how is Hamilton high shortstop rock Kalowski doing? Max preps is still doing that thing. <clears throat> Excuse me, where they don't um, upload their uh, update the stats, but one of his coaches has been basically tweeting out his stats and he's killing the ball this week. Um, one day he went four for four with two home runs and five RBI. Uh, that was, Oh, I just went off the page. Hold on. That was on the 30th. And a few days before that, on the 28th, he... Not the 28th. On the... Sorry, I'm scrolling through the guy's page. On the 24th, he went two for four with six of the seven... He drove in six of the seven runs the team had. So he's their best player. He's probably the best prep player in Arizona. Like, that's just what it's going to be all year. And... Signability for the the reason why he'll be around for the Mets is because like it seems that his UCLA commitment is pretty legit. Like I read an article, I think it was twenty four seven sports wrote it. Maybe it was a local place that wrote it. I can't remember right now, but it was one of those two places. It was something local or twenty four seven, and they were like he's been after uh, UCLA for a while, and it was one of those things where it sounds like he really does want to go there. So we'll see if the money of a major league team convinces him otherwise, but he should be there just for that reason. Cause I don't think a team earlier will risk 
him not going, basically. That's what it sounds like to me anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also 4-0 on the mound, but he's not really a pitching prospect. <laughs> it seems like he does relief work for them. Like, he'll come in and pitch, like, two innings at the end of a game or something, and probably after he's played shortstop all game. But he's not, like, starting games for them or whatever, like some uh, prep guys do. He's not Shohei Otani. The Mets theoretically are going to have some extra money with the uh, comp pick from DeGrom, right? Yes. Yeah. It is a- so I wonder if they try to big uh, swing big a little bit in mm-hmm. the end of the first. Oh, well, I mean, he has that strong commitment, and he's also getting baseball and football scholarships. Was he? Yeah. About? So he what was, happened yeah. was he Notre Dame gave him a scholarship to both. Right. 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 Okay. But he was a three-star football. He was a quarterback. He was a three-star recruit for football. So which is nothing to sneeze at. Obviously, it's no. He's a better baseball player. But three-star three-star recruits go pro. Three-star recru- recruits have good college careers. Like those are. That's a legit football recruit as well, but he chose UCLA over them. So, and UCLA is just offering him baseball, from what I've read. I don't know if UCLA is a better school. I don't know, but hey, you you take those scholarships if they want to give you money, take that money. Yeah, I'm a little surprised he didn't cho- choose the dual thing for Notre Dame, but he might just want to play baseball. Like mm-hmm. He might just see a career in baseball more than a career in football, so there's no reason for him to split his time, you know? Might just want to be on the West Coast. Maybe, yeah, because he's from Arizona. Uh, there's It's way closer to home, like you said. Might be better opportunities to play at UCLA. Well, we'll see. We will see. <clears throat> All right. Uh, moving on now. Obviously, the minor league season started on Friday. Not really too much to discuss. Um, just Syracuse has started. Everyone else is going to start a little bit later next week. Well, this upcoming week, I should say. With Syracuse, they had a quick three-game series against the Worcester Red Sox. They went one and two. They lost the season opener in a pretty lopsided loss. Then they won the second game in a pretty lopsided win. And then the rubber match on Sunday, it was just uh, it was just a sloppy game. Pitching wasn't good. The offense just kind of crapped out. The defense, they committed three errors. So um, it's whatever. Binghamton, Brooklyn, St. Lucie, they're all going to start their uh, seasons at the end of the week. So this time next week, we will have more to discuss about the Mets minor league affiliates. Um, before we move on, are you guys surprised by any of the um, roster assignments that have been made? I mean, there's obviously, you know, uh, four teams worth, so I'm not going to go for every single guy, but is there anything that's surprising to you? You think the Mets are a little conservative towards anyone or a little overly aggressive with anyone else, or do you think that pretty much everything is on the money where you'd expect the, everyone to be? Why the hell is Brett Beatty in AAA? Well, okay. <laughs> that's the big one, right? <laughs> like, uh, 
I'm planning to go to Syracuse in like two weeks, so I just hope he doesn't get called up within the next two weeks. He might, he, he might not be there, but the yeah, I know, I know. Like Escobar is like Escobar one for twelve or something. Cooked. Yeah, yeah, he's under everything. He's popping everything up. It's like four games, so who cares? But uh, Beatty, Beatty did make an error in Sunday's game. Oh, that, so like, more developmental scrub. goals he needs. Yep, then. yep, yep. Scrub. <laughs> Beatty looks ready, for sure. Oh, yeah. I honestly thought... I feel like there's usually a couple we wind up yelling about, and I didn't see any that really struck me as as bad this year. Same. Yeah, same. Most of it felt fine. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Maybe it means the Mets are finally starting to, like, understand their players. (laughs) Or they're just tired of giving us content, you know? <laughs> We've heard That's their feelings true. over the years. Yeah, yeah, they don't want us yelling about, why is, why is, blah, blah, but, you know, it's progress. I, I like that hypothesis. Let's just go with that one. Mm-hmm. They're very specifically angry about our podcast, yelling every year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I saw the one complaint that that the one thought that came to mind immediately was like ah maybe you could have pushed Williams but if he performs I'm fine in with Saint, yeah if he performs at St. Lucie for a month or two it's fine like I don't mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. not not a huge deal I assume our major criticism will be that they uh, are too slow to promote yeah yeah, yeah. I would As rather them start guys a little conservatively and then just have a quick promotion hook but. They haven't shown that uh, <laughs> desire yet. Because they did it last year, I feel, too. They could have promoted guys a little quicker. I mean, it still seems like they're a little hung up on guys getting to very specific um, uh, playing time spent at X level before prior to promotion thresholds. And, you know, that's probably not the best thing to be focusing on. We'll see if they get over that as time goes on. Yeah, I know in the past, I mean, obviously we don't have like great insight into the current Mets front office and, and developmental people and everything. And we don't really have um, a, a good view into other organizations, but I know the Mets are always big in the past on players reading, reaching certain benchmarks, whether it be playing time, doing you know certain stats, whatever, so... Hopefully they've moved uh, away from that approach because it's not always necessary. All right. So um, the season started technically, but I mean, it's three games to Syracuse. Um, so I think what we're going to do, well, not what I think. I know what we are going to do this week. Um, we're going to make our annual predictions of what we think is going to be going on during the season um, in terms of teams, players, Personnel, whatever. Uh, we started last season making three instead of just, you know, uh, a couple. Uh, I think that I like that. I, I, I like that format. We can continue doing that. And so we have three um, predictions, one that's not really controversial, um, one that's not completely implausible, and then one that's uh, a little out there. So um, we have mild takes, medium takes and spicy takes. Uh, does anyone want to go first with their mild take? We'll start with the mild. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I can go first. Okay. Because because one of my guys in it played today. But uh, my mild take is that the Mets have two top five rookie of the year vote getters in the National League. In Beatty and Senga. Senga being a... We ranked him, so he 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 counts for this. But <clears throat> I mean, I if Senga looks as good as he did in innings, like after the first out of the second inning, so like for most of his start, he was really good today. If he looks that good, he's going to either win Rookie of the Year or be high up there. And while I don't know if Beatty's coming up early, I can't tell if I think Epler's serious about the AAA stuff or if Beatty just plays too well and. Escobar plays too poorly that they just say, screw it, we got to win these games. I think he'll, he will sneak in. Because it's just not really a strong National League class. Like, it's Corbin Carroll, but then it's like James Outman is going to get votes and stuff. And he's good, but it's not. we don't have like the... Jordan Walker. The, it, yeah, exactly. Jordan Walker is going to be a guy, but there's five right there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't really see another rookie coming up unless there's a surprise. There's always guys like that, too. But there's no like Julio or anything like that coming up where this it's it seems like a bit of a step back class in general. So oh, it would be nice if Senga got uh, rookie of the year vote. I I think he's 100 percent going to get rookie of the year votes. It'd be cool I think he could wins. win. Yeah, I think, I think he could win. I mean, he looked he looked pretty good. I mean, the walks early on were, were a little concerning, but he looked pretty damn good for a lot of today. I mean that, he, that he's going to be such disgusting. A, he's going to be such a funny pitcher. Like I think the the last out was the Jazz strikeout. He threw three balls that were not even close, mm-hmm. and then he threw three strikes like dot dot nasty fork ball, sit down, and it was like what? <laughs> just just do that all the time. But uh, mm-hmm. that's why he's that's why he's not the level of ace that like Otani and and other guys are. You know, that's why he's not an ace. That's why he's their third starter. And maybe he gets the command down a little bit, but. And I think we talked about this when they signed him, but like high variance third starter is better for a team like the Mets, I think, because you, I mean, you, you put him in a playoff game. Yeah, he might get shelled, but you can pull him in the second. And if he's on it that day, he's going to strike out 12. Yeah. And then you like steal a series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's a world where it's a five game series where it's Verlander, Scherzer, Scherzer, Verlander. And then Senga, if Senga pitches like he did today, that's it. It's you won. Yep. You know? Like, no one's hitting him. I like that world. It's too bad that um, MLB was the only outlet that had him, that is including him as a rookie, because, you know, we know that there are 
not financial incentives, but whatever you want to call it, draft incentives for, you know, having players that are considered prospects, you know, calling them up and then having them play and, and possibly win, you know, awards. But unfortunately, the Mets will not get any of that because he wasn't on. I'm trying to remember what. I know they use Baseball America. MLB and I think. Fangraphs. Is it Fangraphs? I think it's Fangraphs. Yeah. Either way, though, I mean, he, he did not show up on enough lists, so he's not eligible. To that point, the Mets really want to have shot themselves in the foot with Beatty. Because they're not going to get a pick now, right? If he's not up. I don't know if it matters. I thought he had to be up at the start of the season. I uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it has I, to yeah. do with time played. Yeah, mm. I believe it's time played. So I mean, he like, could come up in like June and play every day, and then and then I think it qualifies. It's something like that. I don't think he needs to be up day one. Mm. Okay. Because then, like, there's prospects who legitimately surprise, like you know. Yeah. Like if Parada goes to Double A next year and then is ready by. June or that's not fair to the Mets to punish them for that if he ends up in the rookie you know what I mean in like a Conforto type thing where if he ended up playing all the time and stuff he can't he needed to wait a little bit I, I do like the system but I feel like the rules were kind of hard to find I feel like this is something we did discuss and kind of were unsure no, I do think they need to be opening day. The PPI awards teams who promote prospects who are on at least two top 100 lists between uh, okay, the top three, putting their pre-arbitrations. Or I don't know, actually, I might be misreading this. Someone go pull up the 70 pages of MLB rules in the last <laughs> CBA and parse through that right now. Mm. We'll give you time. Very rarely uh-huh. podcast today. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so... Senga and Orbeity will be getting some rookie of the year votes. Sounds good to me. Uh, who who would like to go next? Mine's pretty fast for mild. Um, so I think I've I've sta- I've planted my flag on a uh, Dylan to break as a as a guy to Brock to break. It'd be good if I knew how to pronounce it. Um, he's set to start the year at uh, Brooklyn, I believe. Um, my mild take is that he's going to get some extended time at double a and not be a top hundred guy or anything to that extent, but be a dude by the end of the season that everyone is at least aware of, um, whether that's starting or relief, most likely in relief, but I see some potential as a starter there. He's going to be someone that's on people's radars. He'll be probably a back end top 10 prospect for us. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty good outcome for where he was taken. Mm-hmm. Trying to see. Um It'd be like better Jose Buto, I think. With very different but like that not not that's not a comp based on like his stuff or anything, but just based on like the, the type of prospect he is. Well, we don't go this far obviously, but I'm calculating the um votes here. He would have been uh the Mets thirty sixth top prospect on our mm-hmm. list last year. So jumping up to the top 25 is 100% plausible. I will piggyback that with mine because mine is a similar. Um, I was saying that Kevin Kendall is going to become a top 25 prospect. He was drafted uh, out of UCLA 
in 2021 with their seventh round pick. He played a little bit in St. Lucie that year, um, put up decent stats. Then he got hurt. Uh, he missed basically all of last year. He got into a couple of games at the end of the year with St. Lucie, and then he played a little bit in the AFL. And he's healthy now. Uh, he's been assigned to Brooklyn this year. I think a guy with his skill set, basically, you know, contact ability and speed, I think Brooklyn is a good place for him um, to, to kind of put up better-looking numbers. Um, the South Atlantic, South Atlantic League in general has slight par- park factors that favor, you know, hitters. Um, if he gets promoted to Binghamton during the season, same thing. The Eastern League slightly skews in favor for hitters. So I think Kendall could hit his way to the back end of our 24 list. I could see that. I mean, it's not exactly a very high bar (laughs) to clear. So that's why these are pretty mild takes. Uh, Ken, what is your mild uh, mild Brett Beatty hits 10 home runs in the big leagues this year. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. I think he gets called up fairly early on, uh, either as a result of an injury or because uh, they decide he's a better option than Escobar. Um, yeah, he's never had like a huge power season in the minors, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we all pretty much agree that it's in there. And uh, I think 10 home runs is a pretty low bar to clear for him. So, uh, yeah. It's kind of weird. Like, let me look up if I can real quick here without taking up too much time. I mean, he is – he's a slugger. He has plenty of raw power. And the most home runs he's ever hit in a season is – 19 last year in 95 games. It's just so odd. I mean, I know part of that is his his approach that he'd rather just kind of. It's it's almost similar similar to the Dom Smith problem of a couple of years ago, where you know instead of just taking pitches and waiting for his thing, he just kind of slap a single or whatever, and and the power kind of got drained. Beatty, it's like he could hit for so much. He could hit for so many so many more home runs and it's just odd that he doesn't hit as many as we think he should hopefully he he slapped that one ball over the left field fence yesterday so yeah no i mean it's that's good he's it's what we want to see and in in batting practice he he it's it's easy power you know and it just i don't know a lot of backspin yeah a lot of backspin Dude just needs to embrace the power. I'm enjoying his line through two games, which is obviously representative of nothing, but 500, 545, 1200 with a 325 weighted range created plus. Yes. <laughs> this guy belongs in AAA, hitting those <laughs> developmental goals. Hell yeah. All right, so those are, those are the mile takes. Nothing too crazy. Uh, now we'll move on to our medium takes. Uh, who went? Thomas, do you want to go first again? Yeah, sure. All right. <clears throat> My medium take is we see zero major league at bats for Francisco Alvarez this year, and I have my reasoning is that 
Both catchers above him in the major leagues right now are under two-year deals, so I don't see, unless one of them completely falls apart, I don't see them DFAing a guy or anything like that. I just think if you sign both guys to two-year deals, you expect them to be there past this year. You could then trade one in the offseason to open up a spot for Alvarez. I don't think they want to DH him at all. And so if an injury to, in let's say, uh, Vogelback gets hurt, like it won't be an Alvarez coming up to take some DH reps. It'll be a Beatty or a Vientos. So I think the only way Alvarez comes up is if a serious injury happens to a catcher where he's out for a long time. Because so I think if it's like a 15-day thing, if if uh, Nito takes a foul ball off his foot, they'll just call up a veteran. Like I think Michael Perez is still around. Like he just gets, you know what I mean? I don't, mm. I don't see Alvarez coming up and then getting shuttled back down. If he's going to come up, he's going to stay. So it needs to be either a serious injury or it needs to be such bad performance that they're willing to, which the Mets have shown they're willing to do this, but only if like Cano was cooked and Ruff looked cooked. They're, they're, I don't think they're going to do it if Nito is fine and, and Narvaez is fine and Alvarez is killing the ball in AAA. I feel like they would just kind of keep the train rolling unless it's really Alvarez is like hitting 330 or some shit like that. But yeah, I kind of think we don't see Alvarez this year. That's my. I, I don't think we're going to see him much anyway. My even if we do see him, it'll be very late in the season. I think I don't think it's going to be one of those things where he's up in like the summer, maybe August. But my medium take is that we don't see him at all. Can't really disagree. I don't think that he's going to see much playing time if he sees any playing time at the major league level. Because I mean, it, it it's not like you know he was just utterly dominant. Uh, last year he was very very good in double a and then he kind of hit a wall in triple a and there Mm -hmm. was the issue with the injury and when he did come back from the injury for those last two weeks or whatever it was he was playing very well but you know it is you know we again the mets and their benchmarks and stuff he hasn't displayed a mastery of the triple a level yet so i mean not even like a little bit like yeah like with, with Beatty, it kind of feels fake that it kind of feels like they they're saying that to because they don't want to piss Escobar off and they want to see if Escobar's really cooked. And like again, we're saying all this stuff about how Beatty needs to be up and the Mets have won three out of their first four games and most they felt fine. Like he he sucked. Alvarez looked awful and the offense looked fine. Except for Friday when Lizardo went off. But like so the Mets can afford to do that even though we don't like it and Beatty should be up tomorrow. Like we should get the news article, the news hit now that Beatty is coming up, but it seems like that's not going to happen. That seems a little fake, but with Alvarez, he needs defensive work and he needs other stuff. So I could just see him. He's young. Like he's been around for a long time and he's been in our lexicon for a long time, but he's still very young. So giving him a full year in triple a, isn't the worst thing in the world. So Yeah. Well, at this rate, he's not going to spend too much time because he's hitting 375, 545, 875 mm. with a double, a homer, three walks to three strikeouts. But most importantly, they've unleashed him and he is one in one in stolen bases. Francisco Alvarez, base stealing threat. The slowest player I have ever seen in person. <laughs> You've watched Wilmer Flores. Do you think Francisco <laughs> Alvarez is slower? Oh, yes. Really? Uh, I think he, yeah, I think it's... It's also, I think, a visit the way that he just kind of... Lo- he looks kind of 
he looks he's shorter. He's shorter than Wilmer and kind of pudgier, so it's just kind of the effect. I will say if this if he was if he played any position other than catcher, I'd be pretty concerned that this is what they were deciding to do. But because he's a catcher and catchers are weird, I'm more like, eh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and I also think that we would have less qualms about him being so young if he was a first baseman or something. Well, mm-hmm. a first baseman would be a whole nother story because of Alonzo. But mm-hmm. there's just catchers. Catchers aren't that young in the major leagues. It just, they don't really exist. Mm-hmm. It, it happens so infrequently, and it's probably because their their development is double everyone else's. It's like, yeah, Beatty has to learn how to play third base, but Alvarez has to learn an entire pitching staff's repertoire and worry about calling a game it's so much more than playing a position you know right right. i think you were the one that mentioned it like a a week or two ago whatever like imagine alvarez now having to on top of being a rookie having to juggle an angry veteran dude like max scherzer and not calling you know pitches or a game that he's in you know likes like and and even a thing like senga like senga's a 29 year old rookie in a new country and alvarez is gonna have to go like figure out how to like calm him down on the mound. Nito and, and Navarez could definitely do that. And they did it today. No, well, Nito did it today and it was fine. He went out there and he spoke with him without speaking to him and it was better, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and Alvarez isn't there yet because he's a kid himself. It's tough. It's a tough position to put a kid in, making him the starting catcher like that. So I don't necessarily mind it. I've come around on the Narvaez stuff. I mean, that signing basically put the nail in the coffin of any chance. Because, like you said, there's no reason to call up Alvarez and disturb any development that he's making for uh, a two-week, you know, cup of coffee. Yeah, it should, and, and, like, what's the point of... And then you're getting into further things, like, why are you going to burn an option, and why are you going to mm-hmm. start his clock, and then stop... Like, there's no reason to. Yep. If, if, if knock on wood, Tomas Nito gets hurt for real, like, for a long time, then yeah. Like, you, you should probably start consider calling him up. But outside of that, the roster fit's just not there for him with Tommy Pham and all that stuff, you know? There's no real place for him to play. So the, the bench is inflexible as it is. All right. Uh, Lucas, what is your medium take? Uh, I'm going to stay positive. Uh Jet Williams will be a top 25 global prospect by the end of the season or the next list cycle. I forget how I phrased it in Slack, but you get the idea. So um, I, have a, I have a further question when you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think I don't think the pitch here is anything that I haven't said like 30 times on this podcast. If the reported batted ball metrics on Williams are as good as uh, we've heard them to be. I do not care that he's only five six or five eight or whatever it is. Um, he's going to kill the ball. He's going to be extremely athletic and stick in an up the middle position, whether that's shortstop or or center. I'm not 100 percent sure yet. Like uh, just a lot of things to like here. And again, back to that refrain: if he was four inches taller, he's in the conversation to go one one. So I, I just don't care that he's short. Um, if all that's true, that that's a top twenty-five prospect after he finishes killing St. Lucie in Brooklyn this year. So is he higher than Parada in this? He, he's in this higher state? than Parada for me already. So okay. 
Yeah. No, because I, I wasn't sure if that meant like Parada's top twenty or whatever, or mm-hmm. he jumps in. That's what I was asking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like Parada. I like Parada quite a bit too, to be clear. Um, I just think Williams is better, and and I don't like. I feel like Parada is appropriately valued right now. Let's let's put it that way, right? And he'll he'll move up due to attrition and and showing more performance at at uh, as a professional. Um, but I don't think there's going to be that significant leap that we'll we'll see from uh, Williams once every once there's more batted ball data on him once he demonstrates that the height isn't a, a problem in the pros like that that's when there'll be a big leap here because right now he's mostly that's around right. what the 70s I've seen generally be, uh, Baseball America has him 97th or something BP had him 74th I want to say like I, I think he's going to get a 50 to 70 spot jump here. I like it. It is. It it would be spicy for me. <laughs> it's worth noting right now too that they still have him at shortstop. I think he's more likely a center fielder long term, but uh, this argument is only aided further. I think if he's playing short and competent there. Yeah, I don't mind keeping the guys at short. No, not at all. Even if like obviously Lindor's here forever, so I. But I don't mind it just. It's the hardest position on the infield, so get your reps there. Jimmy's Ben Zobrist, but he's the only right-handed. <laughs> I mean, if he's Ben Zobrist with steals, Ben Zobrist was like he was quietly really a, should have been a down-ballot MVP candidate for years and just was slightly ahead of the times. Yeah, now Ben Zobrist? Like Ben Zobrist today? God. I was so pissed when the Mets didn't sign him. That was just infuriating. Oh, yeah, he just played the Mets, too. It was so annoying. I really wanted him. (laughs) Anyway. He very much did not want to come here, I don't think. No, I don't think he did. Not a friend of the podcast. No. Um, All right. Uh, My medium take is similar. Again, uh, not as aggressive, but I think Blade Tidwell is going to be a national top 50-ish prospect. Uh, Mets, they drafted him with a second round pick last year from University of Tennessee. He pitched decently there. And then um, with St. Lucie in the regular season and St. Lucie in the playoffs, he pitched pretty well. He had an even one ERA in 18 innings, uh, eight walks and 22 strikeouts. I looked over MLB's prospect list, baseball prospectuses prospect list, baseball America. These are basically the pitchers that show up in that 40 to 60 range. You have Mick Abel, Tanner Bibby, Todd Bradley, Hunter Brown, Daniel Espino, Tink Hentz, Griff McGarry, Nick Nestrini, Ryan Pepio, Marco Rea, Gavin Stone, and Gavin Williams. Espino, when he's healthy, clearly a better guy. Abel, same thing. The rest of them, though, I think they are basically all kind of on the same level as Tidwell. Um, and That's all Tidwell, interesting. All Tidwell, I think, needs to do is have a healthy season. Basically, he was considered a mid-to-back first-round guy last year, but then he missed, you know, two months of the year because of a shoulder issue. And then when he was pitching with the Vols, they kind of handled him with a light touch, didn't really soak up that many innings, but he did put up good numbers. And then with the Mets, you know, the stuff looked good. The the numbers were good, obviously. Shoulder issues, yeah, tricky. Um, but he hasn't shown any signs of 
lingering issues. We've heard no rumblings of lingering issues. And then, of course, he's going to be in Brooklyn. You know, again, we know how Brooklyn enhances how good a pitcher looks. So I think if Tidwell's healthy for most or all of the year, he's going to end up that high. I could see that. I don't want to say that he's underrated, but I feel like it's such an under-the-radar pick that I mean, he didn't play more last year. Yeah, it was like 38 innings with Tennessee and then 20 more with, with, with the Mets. It's it's hard for you to be rate him any higher than he is just when a guy pitches 38 innings and then comes to the Mets and doesn't do much, you know? Mm-hmm. It's hard to put him anywhere else. But I, I see the vision with that one. I was – weirdly, I was with like, – I was like, all right, I dig it. And then you read out the other top 50 names, and I kind of went, I don't know about some that. Some of those are going to get promoted, though. So like some of them are going to be – some of them are going to be gone. Like you said with attrition earlier, there's going to be some guys that are still be there. Some mm-hmm. guys are going to, you know, take step backs. Some guys that aren't ranked will be ranked. But, you know, I, I, I'm I not saying top 25, <laughs> you know, 50, 50-ish. So, you know, you can go 40 to 60 in that range. There's a 20 guys. I think that he could slot in there and no one really bat an eye. It's spicy. I mean, I like Tidwell. I just don't know that I see the upside to get to that level of pitcher. But no, I see where you're coming from. Look, if we all if we all thought it was uh, chalk, it wouldn't be much of a medium spicy take now, would it? Right, yep. exactly. All righty, and Ken, what's your medium take? Uh, Kevin Parada is the consensus best catching prospect in baseball uh, by the time they do stuff like that again. <laughs> so uh, the only person, uh, the only people really in consideration above him are Diego Cortaya of the Dodgers and Alvarez. Uh, obviously, this would assume that Alvarez gets at least enough at bats this year to you know, graduate from uh, prospect status. Or the funniest and, outcome, uh, he just ends up a better prospect than Alvarez somehow. Yeah, also yeah. possible. Um, <laughs> Cartaya is a very good prospect, um, kind of at a similar stage. I think he also played in um, in A-ball last year. So that's more of a bet on uh, Parada really busting out. Um, and given his pedigree, I don't think it'll take moments to uh, really shoot him up to prospect lists. I mean, Parada definitely has it all. He can hit for average. He could hit for power. He's a solid catcher. Athletically, if you need to move him from catcher for whatever reason, he can probably hang in the outfield in a corner spot. Not necessarily a death sentence, right? It would be it would be interesting to see if if both guys let's let's say Alvarez doesn't graduate from the minor leagues and has a good year again. And Parada, obviously, I don't think he's going to graduate either. If he has a good year as well, it will be interesting. I think Cartaya might honestly be the bigger uh, obstacle in terms of likelihood to be promoted, given A, the levels he played at already, and B, who's blocking him. Like, Will Smith is arguably the best catcher in baseball. He would need if to. If he's not, he's two or three. Yeah. 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 
I mean, you're right. It's uh, I know Adley's the best catcher in baseball now. So D, right? Like Smith is the second best catcher in baseball, or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, like if you want to be say Rio Muto still, then that's it. But I don't mm-hmm. even think he's Rio Muto's better than him anymore. No. No. It's quite tiny. Maybe the Dodgers do some funky stuff and DH him sometimes. I don't know. They have a weird lineup. How is Cortez's defense? Okay, improving. He's a big guy back there. Yeah, I was just I, I vaguely remember like making comparisons to Alvarez and Cortez. Like they're both kind of in the similar boat. But I don't remember when I said that. <laughs> I don't Cartier, know. If I mean, they both changed. have defensive questions for like entirely different reasons. If I recall yeah. correctly, Cortez is like six three. I'm looking this up right now. So yeah, six three two nineteen. So he's a big boy in another way, right? Like that's big for a catcher. So yeah, that's that's different types of problems. That's also movable, though. I guess if he's mm-hmm. athletic enough to play yeah, somewhere play else, first. I haven't seen. Yeah, like you get an injury at, at Freddie Freeman, and you want to call up a different type of bat, you can do that and move far. You know, the Dodgers are creative in that way too. I'm proud of becoming the best catcher in minor league baseball would be. A good happening, I guess. I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean anything bad happened to Alvarez. Either he's... Oh, so that could just be a promotion for him. Right, it could just be he's number two or number three, or he's on the Mets hitting the shit out of the ball. Because God knows he can do that. I'm next year. But at next, like we started this year with uh, Narvaez and Nito platoon, and then next year Alvarez and Parada are both the catchers, which is in the realm of possibility. All right, we have moved on now to our our super spicy takes. These are going to be crazy. Um, this can be madness. Thomas, what is your super spicy take? As I'm looking at him, I'm like, is this really that spicy? But I feel like it But the Mets have five prospects this time next year, where that assumes no Alvarez promotion. That's Beatty, not Beatty, because um, I think Beatty obviously is going to get promoted. It would the, the the shocking turn of events is somehow Beatty does not get promoted, but no. I'm saying no Alvarez promotion, Parada, Jet, um, Tidwell, and Alex Ramirez round out the Mets having five top 100 prospects. It, I feel like they haven't done that in forever. But where and in turn with that, they have one of the better prospect pools in baseball again because all those guys take so. It's possible. I mean. The Mets system is very top-heavy to kind of get those best guys into that top 100 national um, territory. And then, obviously, newly drafted players kind of is that new, you know, new car smell on them. And, and a lot of them fairly or unfairly get put into the top 100 national list as well. And the Mets are, you know, going to be picking 32 and they're going to be getting a couple of they could do interesting things with the picks that yeah. they're going to be making so it is possible but i think my large, i think my larger take on it is that 
where we see another step forward as with the Mets system as a whole headlines by them having them being all over the top 100 instead of it being other teams this this time around. So that's really that, that I think that's what I was getting at more than anything else. Mm. Well, I mean, they're in they're They are uh, pointed in the right direction last year, too. So. You know, what would have really helped, though, with this prediction. If they still had PCA or Andy Rodriguez. Oh, then I'd be like eight. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I mean, if they, if they, uh, I, I'm still not going to get on them for, and I know when I was talking with uh, Jarrett Seidler about this, like, I can't get mad at them for the, for the whole Andy thing. Like, I thought that trade was fine. It's unlikely that the Pirates are going to pick your pocket. And it's just because it's the Pirates. But the piece, like, we, we hated the bias trade at the time. Like, that was dumb. If they have PCA in this farm system, it's like a top 10 farm. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't think that he would have gone off like he did in the Mets system. I feel like that is something that, you know, just new coaching helped unlock all the power. But it would obviously be a, a better system than it is right now with him in it than him not in it. Also, he's like an outfield prospect. <laughs> Which they so desperately need. Mm-hmm. They just have none still. It's Alex Ramirez and friends. Stanley Consuegra. Don't talk shit about Randy Jordan. <laughs> Is he even an outfielder? I forget. <laughs> uh, We're moving uh, JT Schwartz to the outfield very strongly. Oh, God. Uh, that would be <laughs> interesting. Um, well, I guess my spicy one actually dovetails off that nicely because of the it Mets does. are in a... Yeah, uh, my uh, prediction, my spiciest prediction here is that uh, Jacob Reimer is going to be a top 100 prospect. Um, Luke is putting me. mild takes in the spicy column. I, I mean, <laughs> I asked specifically whether this was no, mild I think, or I think spicy. spicy. I think it's spicy. <laughs> Just because he's not really anywhere close right now. Like no, if you would ask the, rant, the person who doesn't know that much. And uh, so like Reimer, Reimer obviously was there. I prepped for this. He was their fourth round pick, right? So third or fourth yes. round pick? I think fourth. 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 I was right the first time. Because uh, three was um, R.I.P. Uh, Dylan Spro, right? Right, 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 yeah. right. Brandon, Brandon Spro. Brandon, not Dylan. Where'd I get Dylan? Right. And they, yeah, uh, Dylan anyway. James. Ah, uh, uh, there we go. Uh, so the so Reimer was a fourth round pick. Uh, an interesting but not necessarily highly touted prep guy was supposed to have some okay power third base only good eye at the plate uh very i call it will toffee-ish which is right up my alley unsurprising and i think someone made fun of me for uh, liking him as will toffee already in a previous episode um it was probably me yeah probably i was <laughs> Cause will toffee to, that's the name drop of that was so surprising i did not hear that see that one coming I was very wrong on Will Toffee. We don't need to relitigate my stupidity. Um, <laughs> Reimer came out and destroyed the complex for like 30 plate appearances. He walked a fifth of the time, hit a homer. I've heard from a couple different people that he's looked really good on the backfields during spring or whatever you'd call what they're doing right now. Just like um, Darren Ruff. 
Yeah, yeah, just like Darren Ruff. Uh, he was hitting six. Uh, Ruff was hitting six hundred, and and Reimer was right behind him on the backfield. <laughs> there, um, one of these things I believe, and the other I don't. Um, he's going to be forming the left side of that infield in St. Lucie to start the year with with Jet. That's a really exciting infield group for me, given that those are two of my favorite prospects in the system at the moment. Um, he he's certainly playing to the things I'm biased towards, right? Like patience, power, perhaps not the greatest athlete, okay defender at third base, but uh, generally I, I trust this sort of bat to improve over time, right? Because if you have, basically, my whole opinion is that if you have the ability to to discern balls and strikes at a high level, you're going to be able to figure out what pitches you. Uh, should and should not be swinging at in the zone and, and what pitches you can figure out how to drive. And I think he has enough skill in terms of uh, latent power to actually do damage once he masters that part of his game. Uh, yeah, I think there's just a lot to like here and he'll, he'll basically keep pace with jet all, all the way and they'll be, he'll be in a uh, Brooklyn impressing by the end of the season and, and rising up lists. He's he also seems like the type of guy who catches on, he catches fire quick. Mm-hmm. Like, like he gets off to a super hot start in St. Lucie and then he's on everyone's radar. Everyone, there's going to be like 6 million tweets in May about, look at this new prospect. Exactly. Like, like he was already kind of on people's radars. Remember a lot of that from talking about, I remember, Hey, keep an eye on that one. Mm-hmm. He was on like the sickos radar, basically. Now and then, yeah, exactly. now he's going like, like, to get on the normal people's radar. <laughs> exactly, and like that's how you 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 do that by falling out and saying that's what we. Need. So I'm trying to think who the most realistic five guys are. If there are indeed five top hundred prospects, it's Alvarez, Sands, promotion. Uh, Beatty's going to be promoted almost certainly. Parada, Williams, Ramirez, and then one of Reimer, Tidwell. I think he, maybe Jesus Baez blows up or something like that. Uh, whoever they draft at 32 could blow up. I'm like thinking about it more. If Alvarez doesn't get promoted, which is a was a medium spicy take in and of in its own right, I don't think your top. Or I don't think your five top hundred prospects is even all that spicy. I know. That's what I was thinking. Like, as as the, as I was looking at it, as I was, like, getting prepared to... When I wrote them out, I was like, yeah, this seems spicy. Like, that's a lot. Five's a lot. And I was like, well, they have a lot of top-end talent. It's, mm-hmm. it's more like the middle of the pack and the bottom of it is still mm-hmm. pretty empty. But It feels like you're, doubled, top, you're, like, doubling down on Alvarez not getting promoted. Basically. That's kind of what it is. <laughs> and I think it's also just a general step forward for the prospect pool. Like, mm-hmm. that kind of tells... That, that, says that the, the the prospect group is now, instead of being, I'd say, solidly above average but not amazing, like, if the Mets do have five top 10, top 100 prospects in the pool next year, then they're top 10, you know, I think pretty, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Because that means all those guys stayed top 100 or it's took a step forward to get there in Reimer and Tidwell's case. So basically, this Jet and Reimer are going to be the new David and Jose. Don't, don't, don't get my oh, hopes no. up. 
Unless I, 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 I want to see up. how many uh, bases Jet steals this year, though. That's going to be fun. He's I wonder if they're going to. I wonder how much they're going to move those position like guys around. Like you said, they're keeping Jet at short, but mm-hmm. if they put Prod in the outfield a bit and Jet in the outfield a bit to kind of get their yeah. I mean, wet. this was this was something I was wondering because I mean. Jesus Baez is a name that's worth watching here um, in terms of if he comes up and needs time at shortstop. Junior Tillian is also like in this picture somewhere, um, and I would certainly prioritize Reimer and, and Jet above those guys, but but there's going to be a little bit of a logjam on the left side of the infield in, in the low minors this year, I think, and also certainly not Jet, a bad thing. His, and part of Jet's draw was that Maybe he's a, he could be a plus second baseman. He could be a center fielder. He could, mm-hmm. you know, like part of Jet's thing is the utility. Like Reimer, you're not really moving around. Maybe you can give him a first baseman's mitt sometimes and be like, hey, go do that over there. But, I mean, he, you're not really – you can put him in the outfield, I guess. I don't think that'll go too well, but – Don't forget he also, you're going to need to find playing time for Nick Morbido. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Not not something I'm particularly concerned about. See why? Mm. I think he's starting the complex anyway, so we don't need to. Oh yeah, I'm sure he was. He struggled too much. Too yeah, much. we don't need to deal with him. Man, that just ruined this nice conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Come on, Steve. For once, <laughs> I made three optimistic, bold predictions, and you just yeah. got to bring up Nick Morabito here. Like, what are we I doing? Mean, Steve, why are you the way you are? Uh, I wish I knew. If I knew, that would... <laughs> you like, I, I'm like, I'm like doing my best to change my reputation here and turn over a new leaf, and and Steve's out here just ruining it. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> well, the, I'll try to make things up by uh, my last spicy take, which is also very optimistic. This is a very optimistic prediction podcast this week uh, i think that lionel avias is going to be a top 10 mets prospect in 2024 i like it mm. now that's spicy but i like it we ranked him 18 so these are the guys that are in front of him budo allen diaz raymer consuegra vasil ziegler and then the top 10 you have the top 10 i think there's going to be uh, a decent amount of movement there you know alvarez senga Beatty, vientos Senga is 100% chance that he's off the list. Beatty, like 75% chance. Vientos, like 50% chance. Alvarez, maybe like a 10% chance. So you have one spot automatically opening, and then you have, you know, outside chance as many as four spots in the top 10 open. Um, Allen, obviously, he had the UCL revision surgery, so he's out for the season. He's probably just done, period. Um, Joel Diaz, he had Tommy John surgery. Not going to pitch this season. I think his stock is going to be dropping, obviously. Calvin Ziegler, uh, he had surgery to remove some bone chips in his elbow. That's not a death sentence. He's expected to pitch this year, but there's no timetable. And he's already had some health concerns, so I could see him dropping a bit. So that leaves Avaez leapfrogging some combination of Budo, Raymer, Consuegra, and Vasil. Budo, I think he's very eh. He could also, in theory, lose his prospect eligibility this year also. Raymer is good, as we just discussed, so he might not jump past him. Uh, Consuegra, 
the the underlying numbers have always been very impressive, but for just whatever reasons, he hasn't always been able to like turn those underlying numbers into like the baseball stats. So maybe he jumps past Consuegra, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. And Mike Vassell, he's just very eh to me. I think that he kind of gets. I just think that he more of his value is that he's just kind of an advanced pitcher who's almost pretty much ready to go. And he's just generally like, okay, you know, he doesn't really have like massive baseball skills. And those guys could kind of, you know, rise and drop a lot um, when the system is stronger, when it's weaker, whatever. So and then you have the 2023 draftees who knows, you know, what what happens with them. Um, and I don't think there's any guys that we ranked below Avaya's who are like slam dunks to get hype in helium and become risers. So I think Avaya's could sneak in there like a nine or a 10 with a, a solid season in St. Lucie and um, Brooklyn. I could see it. I do, I do think it's spicy just because there's a lot of bodies in front of him. And like, I think a, a guy like Hamill's going to be in the top like going to move up and I could see one of the other pitchers moving up, but <clears throat> I I like it in terms of spiciness. Ken, what is your spicy take? Uh, Blade Tidwell pitches in the big leagues this year. Whoa. Uh, the Mets don't really do this. The Mets don't really do this, but um, you take a, uh, you know, advanced college pitcher, and, um, you know, if Tidwell gets off to a good start, uh, the SEC is not too different from where he's pitching, so I think if they bump him up to double A. And then um, from there, uh, say they get, you know, the Mets get desperate for pitching late in the season and think he's possibly the... Uh, best option to give them impact performance, even if in short bursts, uh, you can kind of squint and see it. So not sure how likely it is, but uh, that's what I'm going with. Also, like, I hope the Mets learned from Matt Allen stuff where you don't know how many bullets these guys got in their arm. Yep. So if he's ready to go and ready to be a reliever for no you or something, just, call, time. just mm-hmm. call him up. Like, I don't know if I don't know if the Mets are there for that because the Mets are out here telling me about developmental goals. As Brett Beatty goes like eight for eight with six grand slams in a single game yeah. and makes like and makes like unassisted triple plays and shit like that. Like the, he's playing out of his mind and they're talking about developmental goals. So I don't know if they would do that because that seems to be against what Epler's talking about. But I hope so. I, I like of, this one. Yeah, man. this is good. I didn't even think of anything like this. Of all of all of the Mets pitching prospects, Tidwell is definitely the most suited for something like that. Um, Throws hard, doesn't really have too much of a secondary, but it's a good, good fastball. Yeah. And God knows, you know, there might be an issue down the line sometime this year with the bullpen based on, you know, everything that's gone on. Yeah, based on everything, all of it. So yeah. I could see, I could see it. Again, you can kind of squeeze and see it. He's so basically he's going to go down the Adam Wainwright route and then become like a twenty-year veteran Hall of Famer. Or he's gonna... the uh, Timothy Finnegan route and uh, or Brandon fin- Finnegan route. 
and mm-hmm. then flame out mm-hmm. immediately after. <laughs> the Cardinal. <laughs> those are the two options. Who's the Cardinals equivalent of? First of all, does Tidwell throw a curveball? I don't even remember. A uh, slider. It's a slider. Didn't That's Waka a... do this too with them? Yes, he did. Cardinals come up as a reliever. Yes. Yes. They they had a, a couple of years where they broke everybody in. This this was like the cardinal way for mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, with pitchers, yeah. I'm trying to come up with who the equivalent of Carlos Beltran on the I Cardinals know, I, I was... is. <laughs> Brandon is it, Donovan. Is it? No, it's got to be it's got to be someone not homegrown that was like Arenado. Yeah, that, I, that's who I was going to go with. I feel, like, I feel like it's Arenado. So, DeBlay Tidwell's going to strike out Nolan Arenado with the bases loaded to secure the NLCS and just excise all of these Mets demons at once. <laughs> it's it's the nastiest wipeout slider you've ever seen, and Nito backhands it into oblivion mm-hmm. and catches it, and, and the Mets go to the World Series. By backhands into oblivion, you mean makes it look incredibly easy, I assume, right? Because, yes, just okay. perfect. Yeah. Just like, I'm talking about, like, disgustingly good at that. He's yeah. I don't know how he does it on some of these pitches. He's incredible. Back did you there. see him? Did, did you watch the game today? To get, not to go on a tangent. Did you see it. him try to do that to one of the ghost forks? And no, it, like, I missed this. It it went like so far away, and he was like, nope, <laughs> never. And he just <laughs> he threw his chest to every single. It was so bad. He he tried to backhand like do his normal backhand stuff, and it just kept going. And he mm, he was like, no not. sir. It was in the first inning too. Yeah. And, yeah. After that, when he just blocked them all, he went down, like, blocking with his chest and stuff, and he did great because he's a amazing defensive catcher. But it was so funny to watch. It was, like, the, the probably the first time he ever saw it in a game, and he was mm-hmm. like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> Half the Marlin sitters were doing that, too. I mean, look, what the, is... we're going on a very long tangent, but Nito is, like, legitimately a joy to watch behind the plate most of the time. What is Carlos Beltran's role in the organization? What was he hired to do? Um, hang out with Steve Cohen. (laughs) (laughs) He was talking about helping minor leaguers like integrate or something. I can't remember what he was saying. Okay, but I don't think he has a title, like an official one. Really, just to to put as much uh, water under the bridge between them and Beltron as possible after the whole firing thing, the whole Mm. stepping down thing. I think that's really what it is. (laughs) It would be fair to say that when Tidwell strikes out Arenado. Beltran would be like in a box or something in the stadium. No, he's Please. the guy running out first. <laughs> like, thank comes, you. See, he no, I, I think um, he, where I think he is, is I think he's in the Trump spot in the picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, hands are raised in, in celebration. It's just stand, standing. <laughs> Does this also mean that Nolan Arenado is going to sign a late career contract to like DH for the Mets for a couple years randomly? Follow the fo- say no to that. Yeah, I think that, that could be fun too. If this ha- if this actually happens, I will. <laughs> what what will you I will give Ken a lot of money or something? I will some literally give Ken five hundred dollars <laughs> if Blake well has a. It doesn't even have to be this specific. If he has a defining playoff strikeout to close out a game, if that happens, I will write Ken a check. Also, if anyone's interested, first, folks. Beltron, in, according to Tacomo, Anthony Tacomo, Beltron intends to help younger players develop while also serving as a scout, a sounding board for Epler, and a liaison between the front office and the clubhouse. So, just kind of, he's here to, he's here for the vibes. <laughs> he's just there to, like, he's hang out. Around. He, he's there to, like, get, probably, experience. 
so he could go like manage somewhere again or something. Well, I'm all for it, Ken. That was that was a fun one. Ken dropping the best, saving the best prediction for last. Ken yeah, also always has the most accurate prediction, so I may have just yeah, fucked so myself I, out of I don't swim very hard on these. Uh, I don't except for that last one, I guess. I don't remember when it, it was like last year, two years ago, or something. The prediction was like Brett Beatty will hit 305 with exactly 19 home runs. And yeah, like, and oh he like God. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is when. My first mild prediction of two top five rookie of the years is comes true because Blade Tidwell is the Mets closer <laughs> and 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 is the rook, is in rookie of the year running because he's a dominant reliever this year. Randomly it doesn't matter how you get there. You just get there. <laughs> uh, well, that was fun. Um, and they were all very there was not a single negative one. We've all turned over new leaf. This is a positive podcast now. I mean, I had to get, I got tired of shitting on Ronnie Mauricio when I needed to tread it on some <laughs> new ground. So. I, I have to good now. Yeah, I have to Celebrate admit that. Good time. I had a uh, one, I, I think it was going to be my medium take was that Ronnie Mauricio is going to have a 30 30 season, but yet still have an OPS under 800. Still have an OBP <laughs> under 300? OPS under 800. <laughs> Thirty walks and thirty home runs, thirty thirty seasons. <laughs> Wait a second, is that an improvement from last year? <laughs> it might be. Ronnie, I think it actually. Ronnie Mauricio, come on, Fangrass, work with me here. No, I don't it, want your. Uh, Jesus Christ! I feel it like is... he walked twenty six times. Walked twenty four times. 24 30, times. thirty walks would be an improvement. Uh, I, is that what you'd want? He had more home runs than I guess. Last I, I know. That's crazy. <laughs> well, we're positive, so. He's going to draw a lot more than. I think he walked today, so he has at least one walk to his season this year. He's oh, on good. pace. He's on pace to walk like over 100 times this year. <laughs> because that's how this works, right? That's how math works. Yes. yes. <laughs> Lucas, can you confirm? Yep. Uh, as a math, as a math uh, uh, expert, uh, that's a math. Nice. <laughs> that is one math. One math. One unit of math. <laughs> All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvahost343. Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at SadMedSeason, SZN. Subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And a reminder, we are now a Patreon-based outfit, so... If you do like our podcast or any of the other ones in the Home Run Apple Network, you can subscribe for just $5 a month, and you get all kinds of extra stuff like bonus episodes and exclusive content and just like the deep down satisfaction of knowing that you're helping to support us. So until then, next week, love the Mets, love the Mets.